Well, it's not just that. It's that it's a bad thing to be flying towards the thing you're about to blow up. I mean, there's that. So if you're successful, yay, I just blew up the plane. Oh crap, now I'm flying through it. Okay, Jeff, are you ready for a slight rant? Oh, I'm always ready for a rant. Bring it on, buddy. Okay, so this is a rant about... Well, this is about reality, but it's reflective of the sad state of technology journalism, which uh -huh. most people will agree with me in that it's really messed up. So specifically what I'm referencing is over the past couple weeks, uh, this uh, an event took place about a month ago and there has been a continual trickle of articles about how the age of AI is upon us because of a DARPA challenge called Alpha Dog, in which an AI fought an F-16 Viper pilot, and the AI won five for five. So five simulated combat actions, and the AI won all of them. And thus, the media journalists have gone off and talked about how this is proof that AI has taken over, and the age of the fighter pilot is, is no more, and it is killbots from the sky for the rest of time. And that movie Stealth, which I never actually saw. Horrible. I, I heard it was terrible. Don't watch it. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Anyway, so a little background. I was in the Air Force. I was not a pilot. However, I do have friends that are active pilots, and one of my friends was a pilot instructor. So I have reached out to them and kind of gotten some feedback from them because I already had my take on this, but I wanted to get a take from someone who actually knows this intimately so that I wasn't just talking out of my bum. Mm -hmm. Like all the other times, you mean? Well, yeah, unlike those times. Uh, that, yes. So for context, the system was set up and there were the two combatants. So Banger was the call sign of the pilot and Falco was the call sign of the AI. They used a SIM. Now, obviously, since this is not in real life, the pilot was also using the SIM. Uh, he was using an HP Reverb headset, which is a decent headset, it's 2160 by 2160 pixels per eye, but the field of view is crap. It's only 114 degrees. Now, first off, to address the elephant in the room, sims are not real life. Uh -huh. And just because you're good at something in a simulator does not mean you're good at that thing in real life. Uh -huh. And conversely, if you're bad at something in a simulator, that doesn't mean you're bad at it in real life. So the easiest way to explain this to people, because obviously when you're talking about fighter jets there's a limited sample size of people that actually have experience in that. Right, yes but most people have experience in driving so when you're driving there is a lot of sensory feedback that you are getting other than what the speed that you're traveling is and what the direction that the car is pointed in you will hear the wind hitting the car you will feel feedback through the steering wheel of the road conditions you will feel yourself being pushed back into the seat and moving pushed side to side as you go around turns this is all sensory feedback that you're getting that you will never get in a sim unless you order one of those like million dollar weird sim chairs that like rotates around in the sky to simulate the g-forces but even then now you don't get all the audio feedback right the point is if you sit down and sit in a driving sim and you race a car that is nothing like getting in an actual car and racing an actual car uh -huh. completely different worlds and in the air combat scenarios you actually see this very thing take place now it is true commercial pilots can count 
sim time for certain sims, I think Flight Simulator, Microsoft Flight Simulator is one of them, as flight time. However, that flying that a commercial pilot is going to be doing is nothing like the com the flying that a fighter pilot will be doing in training. For instance, right. degree of turn. I think most commercial flights are limited to, I think it's like 25 degrees bank when they're turning. Whereas a fighter pilot can do whatever he needs to do. <laughs> and if you look at times when we've seen kind of face-offs between professionals and people that play video games effectively, you will see that the people that have trained and only done the video games usually win when faced with a professional in that situation. Because, again... The professional is used to all the actual experience. Right. So professional racing car drivers, when they play a racing game, usually suck really bad at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that we witnessed this earlier this year. NASCAR started doing the virtual racing, and several of the drivers got so mad because this yeah. isn't real. Like one of them just it's quit in the middle real. of a race. Like screw this, I'm going home. Yeah. It was hilarious. This is the same thing happens with with pilots. So there have been some face-offs before between people that play what's called DCS and actual pilots and usually the person who plays dcs all the time beats the pilot because they're used to that uh -huh. system they're used to what sensory feedback they get how the plane actually handles whereas the pilot you've just stripped all of his situational awareness of what's going on away and you have this box that you now have to stare at to do anything right well two boxes technically because you got one for eye right well you're staring at two boxes well, yeah, but it's effectively one box. Okay, okay, that's fair. You know, whether it's a screen or if you're using VR. Anyway, so, you know, in a sim, you can hold your control stick maxed out for as long as you want. Right. And the plane will do whatever it'll do, and you're just sitting there in your chair. So you could put the plane in a 9G turn and just hold it there, technically for 30 minutes if you wanted to, and the plane's just going to keep on going. In reality, a human's not going to do that. In, in one of the fights, it was in fight four, uh, Banger was taking a turn at a, over 600 knots, and he was in a 9G turn for 100 seconds. What? Now, again, he's no. sitting there in a chair, not feeling any of this. Mm -hmm. So he's busy trying to find, you know, where the enemy is, how the enemy's turning, so that he can get in a better position. Meanwhile, because he doesn't have all that sensory feedback of what's going on, it, it looks like he lost track of how fast he was going, and he wasn't feeling any G-forces, so he didn't realize that his speed was increasing and his banking turn kept opening wider and wider and wider and wider because he lost track of how fast he was going. Editing JT here. I apologize for the audio suddenly getting very, very crappy, but apparently my compressor decided to lose its mind. So sorry about that. So when you take somebody who is a professional at something in the real world and then stick them in a simulator, there's automatically going to be a drop in performance versus what they would normally perform at. Now, this matters because you can train an AI in a sim, great. But that doesn't mean the AI is going to do any good in the real world. It might do great in that sim, but that's not the real world. So, next big thing is that the combat, the actual rules for the engagement, were completely nonsense. And they were not a real-based combat situation. It was a guns-only combat fight, no missiles. Now, this is not the world that we live in. Um, the no, entire thing, no, the AI not. was trained <laughs> That's a video game for head-on shots. And the reality is, what? in air combat, the, the paradigm that we're in is first sight, first kill, which is why so much effort and research goes into stealth. So you can see the enemy first, mm -hmm. you can fire first, you can kill them first. 
dogfighting, like what we imagine from World War One and what we have, you know, movies about and all that, doesn't happen in today's world. It just doesn't. And even when there is a dogfight, it is not the same thing of what we imagine and what this simulation did. High aspect gunshots, which is a, a direct head-on, um, or a very, very close directional attack, is actually against protocol for both the Air Force and the Navy. Really? Yeah. Like I said, modern era. That... Well, it's not just that. It's that it's a bad thing to be flying towards the thing you're about to blow up. Right. I mean, right. there's that. So if you're successful, yay, I just blew up the plane. Oh, crap, now I'm flying through. Now you're flying through the debris. Right. So there's that. The second is... <laughs> if you hit it. It is an miss, extraordinarily hard target to actually hit. Because mm -hmm. when you're actually in a, in a plane and you're flying, you have the trajectory of the plane, but you also have bullet trajectory that you have to think about. You have bullet flight right. time. You have the trajectory of the other plane. This is a very complex thing. When you're going together, remember, you know, you're going against each other. So the speed is effectively multiplied as if you were against a stationary object. So right. being able to get that head-on shot is extraordinarily difficult. It's just not worth taking it. It's a low probability that you're actually going to make the hit. Now, to respond to this, when the AI was trained, the AI did not actually have to fire in the simulation. So what the simulation did is it projected a cone out of the front of the craft, which is normally your target cone. It took that cone and it said, okay, if Banger, the human, gets inside this cone, it counts as a hit. No trigger pull. Hmm. It did not have to worry about the things that a normal pilot would have to worry about, which is, is the plane in plane? Is it in range? And are you in lead? Because, you know, you have bullet flight time. You just don't pull the trigger and this plane blows up. We're not using it's lasers. Not, it's not a hitbox thing. The it's, bullet it's, has no. to travel between where you are and where the plane is going to be, and you have to sightline it ahead of that. Well, the cone it was an approximation of where that would kind of be. But the AI actually didn't have to worry about any of that. All the AI was trained to do is get the enemy plane in this cone equals hit. That's it. Gosh. To make this even better... The AI was not trained with any collision avoidance logic. <laughs> so the AI, basically the AI was trained, uh, there were two parameters that it was focused on. Giving damage and receiving damage. Those were the two parameters. Oh, so in a situation where the AI thinks, I have a 51% probability chance of hitting the target and a 49% chance of me being hit, the AI is going to take it because statistically mm -hmm. it's better off. Now that may sound like a good idea. That's not a good idea. Because that means right. you just put yourself in a 49% chance of being taken out. Right. Now, that's another thing with the head-on shots is it's just a bad thing to do because you risk yourself. Now, there are people and there have been journalists who have been like, oh, well, this just shows the superiority of AIs because they don't have to worry about going home to their family and kids and all that stuff. And at right. face value, that sounds like a legit argument. Mm -hmm. From a practical warfighting stance, that's nonsense. Because you have a $100 million jet that you just sent out. You need it to last more than one mission. Yes. Because if you're spending $100 million to take out one enemy aircraft, that's a way to lose a war really fast. You need mm -hmm. the equipment and the hardware to be able to use over multiple operations. So survivability of the airframe is actually very important. But the AI didn't care about that because it was never Who trained to worry about that. Now... All of these are big, huge, blaring issues that obviously skew everything towards the AI and handicap the human. But we haven't even gotten to the worst one yet. And 
you know, you will probably not read this in most of these things write-ups because they want the fanfare. But the AI was given total situational awareness. Right. Okay, it had perfect state information of everything that was going on in the simulation. So, so it's like it's not actually using the equivalent of a camera to try and find the other person. It knows within this space, it's there. Just go get it. It knew every piece of information about the entire state of the combat field. Well, wouldn't that be lovely for every battle we're exactly. ever going to have? That's never, the, the possibility of that is zero. You're never going to know that. Just the AI zero. knew exactly. things that a human would never be able to know. And the AI knew things that even if we had the best sophistication, you know, of sensors and, and cameras, it wouldn't know. For instance, of the actual data points that the AI had access to, there were 96 scalar data points that were known to the AI. Some of these were things that the human pilot, Banger, wouldn't have even known about his own aircraft. So, speed was one that would have been known by all. But Banger knows his speed. He doesn't know how fast the AI's plane is traveling. AI knew both of them. Banger knew his altitude, but he didn't know the altitude of the AI. The AI knew both. Mm -hmm. Banger has to guess at the Delta A, which is the angle of attack between the two aircraft, the nose of the aircraft and where they're pointed. He would have to kind mm -hmm. of approximate, okay, that's going away, this is coming towards, and all this. The AI knew that exact angle. Banger would estimate how far away the distance, the Delta D, is between him and the AI aircraft in the simulation. Which, also, side point, the simulation was a very low-res simulation. It wasn't even a high-res simulation <laughs> oh, yeah. like DCS. So you're handicapping the guy anymore because now he can't see as good as he normally would be able to see. It's like a 40-foot by 40-foot grid kind of thing, trying to make it coarse enough I, that they I, can I don't, do this. I don't know what they used. They're trying to reduce the data set Basically, so they can yeah. actually compute it. But you've reduced it to it's useless. Yeah. Well, useless to the human, but not... To the AI. The AI would know total energy state of the enemy aircraft. In other words, if you're going up, you're fighting gravity. So your total energy state is not going to be the same as if you're going down. So if you're going up at 600 knots, that's a completely different energy state than if you're going down at 600 knots. The AI knew this. Also, the AI had full 360 by 360 awareness of everything around itself. Like... How many more of these are there? Like, advantage, 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 advantage. Again, there were 96, there were 96 data points that the AI had access to. Wow, now, gosh. the AI did not have access, let's give it some credit, did not have access to how much fuel Banger had in his aircraft. He didn't know that. Oh. That was one thing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But, like, again, 360 by 360 awareness. So it could see, effectively, every point around its plane. It could see down through the floor. It could see directly out the back. This is not something a human would be able to do. Now, it is true that in the F-22s and F-35s, the new helmet, um, mm -hmm. has sensors that if it looks down in the cockpit, it will actually show what's beneath the plane. But it's right. just showing blips and stuff on effectively mm -hmm. a HUD so that it can know. But again, that's still limited to where your head can turn. Now, people will say, oh, well, this is an advantage for AIs. Well, no, because there's no way an AI can know everything about every point around the entire plane. You could put cameras yeah. around 360, but to then be able to process that data takes a lot of processing power. And of course, yes. this was being done not on an airframe that was sitting out in a hangar somewhere running this AI. This was being done in a huge compute cluster that was actually oh, running course. this, which is not going to fit inside a plane <laughs> that you can then send Not up. exactly portable. Yes. All these advantages and all the shrinking of the data set down just so it could fit into a large room full of computers and servers. Yeah. And no, this that's is, never this is what plane. is being broadcast as, oh, look, Elon Musk was 
said a while ago that the you know the, the drone age is here. AI will replace human pilots. And yeah, eventually we probably will get to that point. We're nowhere near that now. We are and decades off. Using situations like this to promote that, oh, yeah, see, we're there, is, is, is nonsense. Now, that's not to say that there isn't an advantage for this, because this can be used to create better training situations for pilots. Now, there's a contention there about pilots and training in sims, because right now, combat pilots do not train primarily in sims for BFM basic flight maneuvers. Mm. They will do it for certain things for just like, you know, extra brush ups and stuff like that. But their training occurs in the aircraft in the air because that is okay. where they are expected to perform. Right. So you want to train in the situations in which you're going to be performing. And the simulator just fills in the gaps then from the real races or the real, real flights. Excuse me. So there's a question of even if this is used to create better simulations, well, how effective is that really going to be in the first place? Because Again, pilots need to train for what they're actually going to face. And this is not the kind of field where you're like, ah, it's just close enough. We're good. No. <laughs> it's not a hand grenade. No, it's, 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 it's not. And it's, it's unfortunate that, once again, tech journalism goes with fanfare and overblown headlines to get the clicks instead of having a real breakdown discussion about the topic. Because there are some things that are useful that this could be used for. This could be taken and added in as, you know, something to run on a, on a craft with a pilot as a warning of, hey, you're, you're approaching a situation where as you turn, you're going to enable the enemy to be able to come behind and do a saddle maneuver to be able to get behind you and take a shot. Mm -hmm. Again, most of the time dogfights don't happen. But this is something that could be helpful if you do. Yeah, that's still somewhat of a stretch, though. And, you know, the, the tech journalists will skip over all that because that's not sexy. You know, they're going to breathlessly declare, like, here's an, uh, a headline, AI wins flawless victory against human F-16 pilot. Flawless victory. If I set the field up that tilted, I would be embarrassed to say victory. I would be embarrassed to even mention it. I'd be like, okay... We achieved something. This is not really notable, but uh, good job. So wh why was this trumpeted? I mean, so let me ask this. How did news of this get out? Someone must have been very proud of this achievement, this flawless victory, and bragged to at least one, if not many, media outlets about it. Someone uh, it, wanted it, this to be known. It was something that was put out by the DoD as a press release. I mean, DARPA had announced it. Okay. It had been something people in the, in the industry knew about and were aware of that it was coming up. Um, like watching with anticipation yeah. because we're so interested this in this was, kind of this thing? This was something that was known. Okay. Okay. It still seems like I would not be proud of this. Okay. No. As an AI designer, I would be proud that within the very, very, very narrow constraints and the extra information I gave it, my, my model was able to probably was a, you know, was a genetic adversarial network that created this, was able to, out of whatever starting condition I made, able to do this. It's really, really impressive on the small scale within the limitations that we've set. But to think that, oh, we're halfway or more on the way to reality or all the way there, this is the new normal, no more pilots. I would be, actually, if the person I'm making that model, I'd be like, guys, no, dude, you're ruining this. Shh, shh, quiet. You know, we've got a long way to go still. Maybe it's a, deliberately trying to put some misinformation in the air too. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Uh... That doesn't seem likely, but... Uh... It was picked up everywhere. I saw this article all over the place. Like, 
celebrating that oh the era of ai is here like you said earlier mm-hmm. like I mean, maybe people want it so badly that they'll take any win at all they can get because it seems like oh we're right on the edge and they've been saying that for 25 years or 30 years now we're almost there ai is almost here and here we are 30 years later and we're finally actually making progress in it but we're still not there yet and we're i don't know how long until i don't think you can just declare unilaterally hey ai is there but people certainly want it to be that way yeah i don't know it's unfortunate but at least i could use this podcast as a way to kind of counter the nonsense that uh that is out there it's unfortunate you're being generous this is silly this is this is i don't want to say wrong because clearly we have a result here but to trumpet this as meaningful Okay, let me back up. I don't want to be too adversarial, to borrow that word again, because this is what readers want. You know, the the writers, journalists are putting out what readers want. There's like this very direct lineage between I put an article with this headline, I get lots of clicks. It's impossible to avoid that feedback. And so to a degree, I hold accountable the journalists that are doing this and putting out this schlock, but they're doing what people want to read. So maybe we should go the step forward and say it's not just the journalist's fault, it's the readers. This is what they want to see. The readers are looking for AI wins flawless victory against human F-16 pilot. And, you know, there's a kind of a, a brutal race to see who's got the best headline on all these topics. And, you know, you can see the results of this headline worked and that didn't. Uh, I, it's just disappointing. You know, I, I don't want to keep going back to that. It's just, it's frustrating because it, I, I think this sets us back. We have made a lot of progress in AI, and some of it has come in ways we weren't anticipating. For, for decades, they were, they were having success on very small scales with AI, but they could never scale it up because all the time they were trying to create these models knowing they had limited computational resources, and so they were trying to create models with a very few items in there to calculate on. Uh, example, there's one I, I love. This actually was back in like 2000 or 2001. They were experimenting, I don't know, some university was experimenting with genetic algorithms and trying to assemble circuits. So they had literally built this physical circuit and uh, and AI could choose how to put pieces together in whatever way it chose. Okay. And it was a genetic algorithm to do this. And they told it, okay, here's a waveform, not very complicated. We want you to create this waveform. The expectation would be that you'd grab an oscillator, you'd run it through some filters, you'd do a little tuning with an op amp and do something and you could create this result very easily. So they set it going and it starts working and working and working and it comes back with the result and they look at it and they don't see an oscillator in the circuit at all. What the heck? There's no oscillator. How's it getting the signal? Well, they compared it. The signal was flawless. It was a match. Turns out this thing had picked up a signal emanating from a nearby computer that was putting out an EMF at roughly the right frequency. So it had a big, it made a big loop around the outside of the circuit board with a wire to serve as an antenna and it was just amplifying that. It solved the problem but not the way they anticipated because they didn't let it, you know, do, they, they had an expectation of what the solution would be and it uh, solved it a different way. Yep. I think uh, as long as we keep constraining resources like that, uh, keeping this uh, kind of very narrow uh, play space, I guess is a good way to put it. We've reduced the space of things that it has to calculate to make it easy to succeed. But until we have enough resources to throw at something to do, you know, computational reality, we're just, we're not gonna be able to do something like this. And even though it needs to, it's going to have to be on the plane itself, wouldn't it? Like all the computation for everything it's taking in, it would have to be on the, on the plane itself because I would not think it'd be able to react fast enough if it had to send data back to a home base to have it calculated and then sent back. Yeah, it would all have to be maybe, local. In, in, in the future, maybe networks would be better. Or maybe they have a, like a, 
you know, they got AWACS now, they could have maybe a flying supercomputer cluster in the air that could do quick computation and send the result back or something. I don't know. Right, but then you have to deal with the fact that people could then try to jam that. Exactly. That adds so much risk you wouldn't want that. It has to be on the, on the plane itself. It's the only way to be trustworthy. That's just, you're, you're being very kind when you say it's disappointing. Uh, I, I would like for this kind of stuff to stop entirely. This kind of uh, mis, mis-aimed journalism. But like we were saying earlier, it's, it's what, if it's what the readers want, can't fault someone for just trying to sell a news article and, you know, pay for dinner. It's, it's, maybe it's just that, maybe we're owed this because this is what people tend to want. Well, it's sensational journalism. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing to blame the reader because people know that if you do a sensational headline, you're going to get attention. It's not that people are, are necessarily wanting to read more and more sensational headlines. It's just, it's a trick of our psychology that if something sounds sensational, we're like, oh, we need to know what that is because that might be important. Yeah. I've taken, actually, when I see something sensational like that, that actually piques my interest enough, I deliberately go open a different tab and go Google or, or look for it separately. I don't want to give that page view to that person who's, who gave me the, the ridiculous headline. Even if I want to look it up, I'll, go, I'll actively go out of my way to not give that page view because I don't want to support that. Uh, I'd like for us to have more educated headlines and more straightforward news. Well, might be in the minority there. I don't know. Have you seen any other kind of uh, big AI wins like this in the military space that have been publicly trumpeted like this? Mm, that have been publicly pushed? Not really. Okay. Um, this one is a, close enough to where people might be interested that the journalists have picked up on it. Mm -hmm. But like decision makers that are investing millions, if not billions of dollars in AI evolution, they're probably got a vested interest in seeing that their investment is not being misspent. Mm -hmm. So this may also be a, a reach to prove to the people that are paying for it, I guess us, the citizens, are directly paying for it through the government. Your money's not going to waste. Look what we can do with it, maybe. I don't know. I wish that there was a... Honestly, I wish there was a way we'd just go send a message to the journalist and say, hey, can you just, like, tone this down? Like, like we could just, not voting, but, like, you did this wrong. I don't know how you'd do that. Well, you'll notice a lot of places, um, like social media outlets, interestingly, only have upvotes. They don't have mm -hmm. downvotes. So that when yeah. crap like this comes out, people can go, no, I'm not cool with this. Uh, which mm -hmm. seems to be an intentional choice. Uh, almost certainly. I mean, you can go and shout about it on Twitter or Instagram or whatever if you want, but uh, that's, I'm not going to go look at your Twitter after reading this article because I don't care. Right. You know, and there's no real way. They're not going to link to your Twitter, especially if you're panning their article. They're going to be like, hmm, this guy doesn't exist. You know, black hole over there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Maybe this is the beginning of something cool. Um, almost certainly it'll continue to get better, um, but I'm not really interested to see much more about it until we actually... Uh, stop taking all those liberties in the in the model. It is still very impressive that I mean, there's a lot of data to calculate. Yeah, live. So it is quite impressive that it was able to do something mm -hmm. even with the narrow constraints. Just thinking purely on the data matching perspective. Yeah, it would be nice though if people focused on that. But obviously, mm -hmm. well, they're not going to focus on that because that's not going to get them the clicks, and they need to get the clicks. Yeah, it's not. So. Requires too much foreknowledge to recognize how hard it was to do this. Yeah. Like most people are like, oh, AI is cool. That's neat. And they have very little idea that it's very challenging to do. Right. Anyway. Well, let's look for better journalism in the near future. Let's, let's, journalists, let's do a better job. Hmm? Yeah. You know? Let's just uh, stop with this schlock and, and give us, give us some better news articles, huh? Yeah. Let's have that. That's not a, that's not a big ask, is it? Yeah. Let's have that be a, a real thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah.